know who I talked to on Thursday about the conference? Um, Donald one of Trump? Our semi- oh, it was close. Right first name. Donald Perkins. Donald Perkins. So Don Perkins called us. You guys all love Don Perkins, and he's part of our family. And uh, he called me on Thursday and was so excited about the conference. And he's really looking forward to it. And I know you're looking forward to it. And the pieces are really falling into place. And and as we just see the Lord moving through different speakers and different things are happening, and, uh, I just can't encourage people enough to sign up today. How can they sign up? He's not quite sure. Hope for our time. I didn't know he was going to ask me these questions. That was good, huh? And then I also found out as we've been traveling and things that people come up to me and they say, you know, when they see us on video, they say, you are super short. And I say, is that... I say, I'm not that short. If somebody next to me is super tall, Harry, I think I'm going to have you start coming up here with him. And I'm going to make this a little <laughs> bit more balanced as he does these little pre-things. <laughs> Just for everybody watching on YouTube, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually six foot seven. And so he's just like <laughs> Goliath or something. I don't know. So hopeforourtimes.com. Yeah. Uh, anybody can go there, get all the information on the conference. And um, yeah. Tickets are going well. And then also we have the special rates for the hotel room. So if you're, if you're driving out and you're from out of state or out of area, uh, if you go to hopeforourtimes.com, you can click on the uh, you can click on the links and the different links will take you and, and take you right to the hotel. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, let's make this a little bit more, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit ridiculous when I'm like this. <laughs> you're in the light now. I, yeah. So praise the Lord. So. Amen. So, yeah, I mean, they can go get the hotel rooms, and, and they've just done, the hotel's working with us really. <laughs> I know, I don't, I'm not used to looking up at people. It's kind of weird. <laughs> my, my dad always told me, don't look down on people. You're going to be real tall, and I try not to look down on people. but <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to at the moment. <laughs> nope. So I, I, I'm just excited, and things are really falling into place, and uh, KKLA, the big big Christian radio station out in uh, LA County they are now promoting the conference as well and they're telling people about it and just it's amazing the, the outreach that this conference is going to have and the people that are going to be involved in it amen it's going to be fantastic conference. It is. I'm looking forward to it if we're still here the way things are looking I wonder if we're still going to be here it okay now I'll get off my high horse <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's gonna, uh, I'm looking very forward to the conference going to be absolutely fantastic and uh, amen. Thank you, Pastor Craig. <laughs> he makes me feel so short. Notice that song, who was it? Frank Sinatra makes me feel so young. He makes me feel so short. That's kind of how that works out. Um, uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray for your blessings on it and your ministering, your glory. We look forward to the conference, but we also look forward to just having this time tonight. We don't know when Jesus is coming, but may we be about your business until Jesus does come. Praise you in his name. Amen. This is the non-football crowd. Woo! Yeah. I'm excited. The rest of them, they don't love Jesus as much as you. Or they hate, they, or they just love football. You know, it's one or the other. Or you guys hate football. Which one is it? You hate football or you love Jesus? Which one is it? Ah, see, that was a trick, wasn't it? <laughs> so I'm just messing around. You, you realize that, right? Just messing around. All right, let's look at a few things. What do we have here? We will be in chapter 17 in a minute. As, it's not nearly as cold here as it has been throughout much of the rest of the country. Chicago <laughs> feels like minus 75. I mean, we're all reading these temperatures. You and I living out here, we were not experiencing those temperatures. But a lot of people that are watching this right now they were experiencing those. I know it's actually warmed up a lot in the same areas just in the last couple of days. But uh, I was talking with my friend back in, he was in Minneapolis the other day, and I said, he, he told me what the temperature was, and I said, do you realize it's over 100 degrees warmer out here than it is where you are? I mean, that's pretty crazy when you, when you start thinking about it. But um, so much for global warming, that's my opinion. Um, just, it just doesn't fit. It will, in Revelation 16, with the, uh, when the bowl judgments all unleash, man, it's going to be really hot then. Um, 
then it'll be true global warming. And uh, right now it looks like we're going to global freezing. So this was last week. Remember this? Uh, this is New York, Governor. Uh, this, I was born at 12.05 in New York. It's now perfectly legal to murder me at 12.04. That's absolutely appalling. When I showed you that last week, my friend Andy Woods, who will be speaking at the conference, by the way, uh, he posted that on his Instagram. But you look at that and you think, that's the reality. And I think personally, our, our nation has passed the Rubicon. Not just our nation, uh, the entire world. There's been, I think, close to 2 billion abortions worldwide since uh, 1973. You look and you go, man, just, um, but to do this. But then I thought that was it. And then you saw this this past week, right? Virginia governor defends letting babies die after birth. Actually, you read about it, it was basically killing the baby um, after the baby's born. So I'm not sure how many of you read the details of it. I read a lot on it, but I'll keep it real simple. Basically, a baby is born, the baby has deformities. Um, the, The doctor gets the opportunity to converse with the parents and say, do you want the baby to live or not? So they're going to make the baby comfortable, apparently, as the baby goes into uh dead. Uh, You look at that and that is horrific Um, that our nation has is for this type of thing. The leaders in our nation, remember what I said last week in ancient Israel and ancient Judah, there were good people who loved God Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego the prophets, they loved God, they lived in those areas, but their judges and their leaders were absolutely corrupt and they were murdering babies. So last week, it was a baby uh, being aborted up to one minute before it's going to be born. I mean, that's still hard to believe. But now this guy's saying, let the baby be born, and then because we deem it's an unacceptable. I mean, where does that even begin, and where does it stop when a baby isn't uh, good enough to live? Who, who makes that call? So you open up that, that door a little bit, it's, it's blown open. Um, Nazi Germany started doing that with people to eliminate them. And you start with people who are less desirable by man's standards. Uh, it's, it's appalling to hear these things, but in ancient Israel and ancient Judah, they would take, when they would worship Molech, take the babies, put them on the hot arms, the burning red arms of their god Molech that they would serve after the baby was born, and they would kill the baby that way. That is absolutely no different than what's happening here. And God judged ancient Israel, ancient Judah, that was their, their biggest crime. They turned from God, but when he pointed out the reasons for judging them, it had to do, uh, the, I mean, you had several reasons, but it seemed the primary one was what they had done to these babies that were born. It's just unbelievable. But when the door was open in the United States for abortion being legal, that was just the beginning of it. And uh, it, it, these things are only going to get worse because you listen to much of the media, much of the media saying this is a wonderful thing and uh, much of what's coming out of Hollywood. Praise God, there's some people out of Hollywood that really surprised me and have stood up and said, whoa, 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 this is, this is off the charts. And, uh, but people have been supporting abortion and for at six months, at three months, whatever it is, and now they're looking at it and saying, maybe we have gone too far. But unfortunately... Um, we're, we're, I, I'm just afraid that we have passed that point. I, I, I like to believe there's always hope, uh, but man, we need to repent. Uh, we need an awakening. We are in a desperately bad uh, place. A uh, couple more things. Um, the, here's this report. Netanyahu to meet Trump's peace team at Warsaw Mideast Conference. There is a peace plan that is coming. I don't know the exact day or the hour, um, but... There's a peace plan that's coming to divide the city of Jerusalem. I know that because the Bible tells me that. Uh, Amos tells us that, or Joel tells us that, and uh, Daniel tells us that. And we know it's going to be to divide the city of Jerusalem. So we see Trump's peace plan. He's working hard at it. And uh, man, so things are just progressing. Every time I hear about a peace plan for Jerusalem, I look back at the Bible. And, and by the way, I want to say this. There's so many people out there that just, in churches that are saying, why study Bible prophecy? You can't believe Bible prophecy. What a waste of time. It's an unhealthy thing to study uh, Bible prophecy. By the way, this has gotten into Calvary chapels. I don't know if you know that, but I'm pretty appalled at what I have seen 
uh, come across. Uh, I, I saw this a few years ago, but hearing what I, I heard and watching what I watched uh, just from coming from Wednesday uh, from the radio, Calvary Chapel, it was just uh, uh, it's, it's appalling when you have uh, the entire movement and the leader of the whole movement say uh, Bible prophecy is an unhealthy thing to study. And uh, so that happened Wednesday afternoon on K-Wave. And, um, and you just look at that and you go, man, uh, Jack Hibbs was thrown under the bus. Uh, Barry Stagner was thrown under the bus. Uh, Jan Markell. All three people all speaking at our conference. Um, but this is the reality of the world we live in. In the last days, mockers will come, say, where's the promise of his coming? Our forefather, our, our fathers told us about this. In other words, where Peter writes that in 2 Peter chapter 3, our fathers told us about this, um, that implies that it's churched people that are saying our fathers told us about that Jesus is coming again. The implication, these are people that are part of the church. And uh, that's what we're seeing. And um, I have friends that are Baptist that still believe Jesus is coming again. I have friends that are Pentecostal that still believe Jesus is coming again. I have friends that are in Calvary chapels, that do that are pastors that believe Jesus is coming again. Um, James Cadiz being another one. Um, man, folks, we really need to pray because the Bible, there's over 800 prophecies of the second coming of Christ. And to say you need, it's unhealthy to learn those things. It's unhealthy to, to be taught those things. Um, we got big problems. And that Jesus is coming again. And we are watching all of these things line up. Uh, let's move on. Now, this, here's this one. With cash handouts, India takes step toward universal basic income. I was on uh, the uh, TV show the other day with Mike McIntosh, another Calvary Chapel pastor that believes Jesus is coming again. And we were talking about the universal basic income. And I was also talking with our own Pastor Craig about it. And um, he threw it out there, and I started thinking about it. It makes so much sense. Uh, do you do realize, as Mike said, there is a universal basic income coming to this world. Uh, you listen to all the tech giants, the super rich people, leaders of the world, politicians, they're saying it's going to happen. The reason why they're saying is because the technology is going to eliminate so many jobs. People are going to need income just to live. So it's going to be these, I don't know, I guess it's going to be tax dollars taken from everybody else, and uh, they're going to pay for people who aren't working uh, because the jobs aren't going to be there. But you can imagine the scenario. With the Antichrist, the Bible tells us no one can buy or sell unless they receive the mark of the beast. You know that passage? You can see how universal basic income puts the Antichrist in the position of being the Christ. God, the one you have to come down and bow and worship him and say, give me, give me, give me my paycheck. Not just buy or sell, but you actually have to go to the system just to get paid. And I think my friends are right that uh, that universal basic income is coming, and it's going to be all part of this globalist new world system that, uh, that all the, the, these, the secular leaders of the world are saying, it's coming. So yeah, it's fascinating when you look at what secular, the seculars are showing us and what the Bible says, and you go, wow, they're all coming together right now. And then many in the church are saying, disregard this stuff. Don't pay any attention to it. A terrible thing. Um, so we're going to look right now, we're going to go here. <coughs> Excuse me, I hope my voice lasts tonight. We're going to find out, aren't we? You'll know. You'll be the first to know. Uh, people watching online. Um, we're looking at this message, the prostitute from Revelation chapter 17. Wow, what is that all about? Well, uh, let's get going. In, in the, uh, oh, by the way, before that, real quick, mark your calendars, February 24th, three weeks from tonight. Olivier Melnick from Chosen People is going to be here. Uh, Chosen People Ministries, that's pretty fantastic. Uh, we're also partnering with Chosen People up at Seattle Conference uh, coming up uh, shortly after that. So February 24th, Olivier Melnick from Chosen People will be here. If you have any Jewish friends, make sure you bring them that night. And then exactly four weeks after that, March 24th, Erez Soroth uh, from the Israeli Knesset is going to be here. And uh, so we have some real, totally, really cool things that are happening right now. So pray about those two dates uh, See who you can invite. Let them know what's coming. Okay, back to this. Revelation chapter 17. So we look at the subject, the prostitute. Uh, Revelation chapter 17, in it we meet a woman who represents religion. Uh, the great harlot who is wholly given over to 
Satan, holy, uh, W-H-O-O-L-Y, completely given over to Satan. But she's more than just an instrument of Satan. Uh, she contains vestiges of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, many are going to be deceived by this last day's religious system. They will think they were following uh, the truth, yeah, but it's going to be their truth. How often do you hear that now? What's your truth? Uh, that's their truth. Listen, there can only be one truth on any subject. Two plus two equals four. You can say two plus two equals ten. That can be your truth, but your truth is a lie. So here's the problem. They're going to believe their truth, of this, and they're going to follow this last day's religion, but it will not be the, the truth. It will not be uh, the real Jesus they are following. Consider this, in all of the discourse, when the disciples ask Jesus, uh, give us a sign of your coming, tell us a sign of your coming and, and the end of the age. And Jesus began to give several signs. Do you remember what the first, very first sign he told them to watch out for? Do not be deceived. Very first sign. Before he said famines and pestilence and wars and rumors of wars, don't be deceived. And then he said this, many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ. Do not be deceived by them. They are liars. They are deceivers. Now, I'm going to show you something. And it helps us, is this going to help us to understand the deception and the world's idea of truth right now. Okay, ready? Here's this picture. This is from a week or so ago. Uh, this is from CNN. Christianity's future looks more like Lady Gaga than Mike Pence. Okay. How many of you heard about this? Okay, so just a few of you. All right. So in the CNN uh, program, in this particular article, CNN asks this question, what type of Christian are you? Do you stand with Lady Gaga and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Uh, she's the new leader of the Democratic Party, the 29-year-old coming out of New York that wants to tax everybody like a million percent. You know, it says the world's going to end in 12 years if we don't, have, uh, if we don't deal, deal with the global warming problem. You know, that one, right? Uh, so do you stand with Lady Gaga and Alexandria Cortez or in your Christianity, or do you stand with Mike Pence and Sarah Sanders? Two disputes in the last week between prominent Christians, right? So all four are labeled Christians. Oh, by the way, the Virginia, or the New York governor who said... Um, that abortion is good up to one minute before birth uh, claims to be Christian, right? So you start looking at this, and you're going, you know, wh wh what is this, right? Okay. So two disputes in the last week between prominent Christians from the faith's progressive, Lady Gaga and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and fundamentalist types, Mike Pence, uh, Sarah Sanders, uh, people like me, the fundamentalist types might help you to decide. Lady Gaga... A newly minted Academy Award nominee called out Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, over the weekend. His wife Karen made headlines for working at a Christian private school that bans LGBTQ students and parents. <laughs> they didn't go over where, uh, that didn't go over very well with Lady Gaga, who has been very open about her Christian faith and support for the LGBT community. And then she just went on to hammer uh, Mike Pence. Uh, because she's a Christian. And she even says, I am a Christian. So let me set the standard for the way that you're supposed to live. All right? So we see this going on. Uh, this, is, this comes down to your truth, and this fits like a glove with the last day's religion and this prostitute religion of Revelation chapter 17. Think of this. In Titus chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, NIV, the Bible says this. To the pure... All things are pure. In other words, to those who know the Lord, listen, you're, you're, you're not living, you're, your mind's not going to the corrupt way like that and thinking God's, you know, full, you know, we should just be aborting babies and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted, okay? Now watch this. It goes on. They claim to know God. Now, do you remember what we just read? They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Okay? Now listen to this. This is from Psalm 50. 
I came across this in my devotions a while back. God says this, but to the wicked, this is a psalm of Asaph, to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes, in other words, say you're a follower of mine, or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you. In other words, you hate the Bible. And you don't want any part of it, right? You following this? When you saw a thief, you consented with him. You have been a partaker with adulterers. Man, adultery is good, right? You see how this is going? Um, you give your mouth to evil. I mean, look at all the stuff coming out in the media from people who claim to be knowing God and they know the true Christianity. You t uh, your, your tongue frames deceit. Jesus said, beware. Take heed that nobody deceives you. You sit and speak against your brother. These things you have done, and I kept silent. Didn't say anything. Sat back and watched. And then he says, you thought that I was altogether just like you. That I was as corrupt as you. I, I look at that and I think, man, does this fit with modern culture and people claiming to lead us in the ways of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, right? In other words, uh, we know the way to God, we're spiritual people. But denying this power from such people, turn away. So these types of, or this type of thinking is what is leading our culture in America right now. Uh, the people who are leading our country, the judges and the politicians, and on down the list. Jesus said, take heed that nobody deceives you. So with that, uh, let's read these verses from Revelation chapter 17, because that sets up a really good backdrop for the religious system that is coming, and man, I believe it's rapidly on its way. The system itself is already here. Ready? Just six verses tonight. We're not going to go into the rest of it uh, tonight, but chapter 17, verse 1 then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls, there's the, the seven bull judgments from chapter 16, they came and talked with me, writes John, and said to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, the great prostitute that sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit. The angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the, of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Wow, this, this passage is totally loaded. In fact, chapter 17 is, that's why we're only doing six verses tonight. So let's do this Q&A style. You're used to that, right? There's going to be a lot of questions, but they're all going to go kind of fast. So first question is this. What does this, uh, the final religious uh, religion, uh, false religion look like? Excuse me. According to chapter 17, it looks and acts like a prostitute or as a harlot, as it's called here. Uh, the prostitute of Revelation 17 uh, is the culmination and apex of false religion on the earth. It's going to have its culmination during the tribulation period. I do believe we are seeing it form rapidly right now. It will show its supposed superiority over other religions by pretending to embrace them all using words like inclusive. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> better, believe it. better believe it does. But its core, 
will be the corpse of a dead church. As is common with corpses of freshly dead, it will still carry the outward forms of the old entity. There will be music, there will be sermons, there will be church socials, and the old buildings will usually still be standing. Uh, if the government still allows it, but I don't see it happening, but if the government does, uh, these will still be operating with their same 501c3s, their nonprofit organization as a church. Okay, but this leads us to the second question. Uh, what will happen after the rapture? Now think through this a little bit further. There will still be the outward manifestations of the church after the real Christians have left. Many church programs will still be operating. Church softball teams will still meet. There will still be church potlucks. Assuming Jesus' words are true, which they are, he says in the last days, there will, or, or in the, uh, he says one of the uh, churches he describes, excuse me, in Revelation chapter 3 is the church of Laodicea. I believe it's the all-encompassing last days church of the Western world that has everything going on. They're fighting for social justice. It's a church that is driven by good works. It's a church that looks really awesome on the outside. So much so they say, man, we don't have need of anything. We've got money. We've got gold. We've got our act together. We're doing good works. And Jesus says, you're naked, wretched, miserable, and poor. And he says, you're lukewarm. I wish you were hot or cold, but you are neither. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. According to Jesus, if, if a church like that, that is operating during the last days at the time of the rapture, will be virtually unscathed. Hence, the social programs will still be going on. The programs of good works will still be going on. Why? It's because they did not really know Jesus. They just did all the stuff on the outside that causes them to look like they knew Jesus. It will be business as usual, except one problem. There will be judgments that are going on all over the world. I imagine earthquakes, and they'll get together with their church group and say, okay, we're about good works. Lady Gaga's going to lead us. Let's go. That's the reality of what will take place over much of the Western world. Even sadder will be the, the leadership of many churches and denominations, including pastors and elders and bishops, will still be there. On the other hand, some churches will be completely obliterated by the rapture because those churches will be full of all kinds of believers. And uh, there will still be probably some left behind and they're going to come to visit the church and they're going to say, where is everybody? It will be very sad for them, but the flip side is the opposite. Um, some churches will literally, um, their, their membership and attendance will almost not even change. It's kind of sad to think about, isn't it? In fact, it's awful to think about. But if you, if you read as much as I do and watch as much as I do to what is going on in the churches in the Western world today, Folks, it is not about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it, is, it comes down to your truth. What's your truth? And let's just, let's just make everybody happy. Man. Third question, what is seen in this vision? Look again at verses 1 and 2. The one of the, uh, the uh, seven angels who had the seven bulls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on the many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Let's stop here for a second. So what is seen uh, here? Not something you would expect to see in heaven. This angel that has one of the seven bold judgments, or one of the seven bold judgment angels, says, John, I want to show you something. What does he show her? Show him. The angel shows John a prostitute, a harlot in heaven. That's not exactly something you would expect to see in a vision when you're in heaven. But the angel is showing John the justice of God against this evil satanic institution that claims to speak for God. It's a spiritual harlot on a massive scale. And the title, the title harlot, because it's spiritual, means she follows false gods. Notice John also says that he sees this harlot, uh, this harlot and she is sitting on many waters. What does it mean here? 
where it says she sits at the end of verse 1 on many waters. Listen, don't make this more difficult for yourself than you have to, all right? The Bible is much easier to interpret if you look at the Bible and you start realizing it'll probably tell you what it means. So if you drop down to verse 15, it tells us this. Then the angel said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits, tells us, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So you look at verse 1, what does that mean, many waters? And people go into all these weird, different imaginations of what it means. Verse 15 tells you. It's people. It, tells, it teaches us this, that where the, this harlot sits on the many waters, it's a religion that is global. Many peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. It stretches across the nations and it stretches across the seas to every continent and every nation on this planet. This global religious system. Okay? Number four. What does this prostitute do? Okay. Think through this. Despite what Hollywood tells us, and despite what lawmakers are trying to cram down our throats, prostitutes are not loved. Prostitutes are used. Prostitutes are abused. Notice this in verse 2. It tells us this. Um, she, whom the kings of the earth committed fornication with. So with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So the kings of the earth means the world's leaders, the political leaders, uh, those that are the elitists that are pulling the strings of the puppet politicians. These elitists and globalist leaders will use this religious system. Prostitutes are used. People pretend to love them and tell themselves that they love them, but they do not. They love what they get from them. It's a give-take relationship. The prostitute also wants something from the person that they are serving. In this case, they are serving the leaders of the planet. The elitists, the globalists, the kings, whatever it is. These elitists and globalist leaders will use this religious system to cause the world's masses to joyfully surrender to the new world order. How is that? I'll get to that in just a second. Verse 2 also tells us this, that the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. What does this mean? Well, let's just consider this first, then we'll get to the next question. Drunk means they're not thinking straight, right? Uh, they feel a buzz, feeling good. They laugh easily. They think things are better than they are, right? So their drunkenness makes the masses, many nations, peoples, tongues, right? Verse 15 interprets what the many waters are. The, their drunkenness makes the masses uh, malleable and more easily controlled. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Next question. What does this mean, drunk with her fornication? This is not, has absolutely nothing to do with physical drunkenness. This is spiritual drunkenness. This is not alcohol making them drunk. It is the spiritual good feeling they have that is causing the world to be seduced. So her fornication is her sellout to the kings of the earth. In order to gain their favor, she tells them what they want to hear. Just like a prostitute does if you hire a prostitute. Telling the one who's given the money what they want to hear. So she's going to tell the world's leaders. She's going to go to the UN, this prostitute religion. Tell them what they want to hear. It's a give-take thing. It's working both sides. Now, the fornication with the world's elite will be like an intoxicating wine to the masses. It will be the feel-good story of the decade. Famous people seeming to speak of God in goodness and transcendental things. In some ways, it will look very much like the revival that we hope for. But 
it won't be a turn to Christ, it'll be a turn to Satan and a turn to the Antichrist. So much so that Jesus himself said, during that day, even the elect could be deceived. That's how powerful this whole seductive system is. Folks, pay attention to what is going on right now, every day in the media. And you can see all of this. I already showed you the one article from CNN. This is permeating everything. It is permeating churches. And churches are saying, you don't need to talk about the second coming of Jesus. That is an unhealthy thing. Wow! From Calvary Chapel. To me, that's just appalling. Verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Uh, Six, number six. Ready? What is with this woman sitting on the beast? Okay, let's think through this, right? Check out this picture. Uh, If you've been with me, you'd probably have to be with me for several years through some of my studies to remember me showing you this, but I did this, it's been quite a while. But this is a sculpture, it tells us at the bottom, outside the EU offices in Brussels of Europa riding the bull, the woman sitting on the beast, right? So you look at this, um, and you think, well, that's weird. So when I look at the Bible, it appears to me there's going to be this globalist system that's going to rise out of the Western world, out of Europe, Uh, And then out of that is going to be the Antichrist who is going to come, and uh, he's going to rise out of a revived Roman Empire, a.k.a. Europe, uh, and that's going to be the Antichrist. And then here we have, at the European offices in Brussels, uh, a a sculpture with a woman riding a beast. Wait a minute. He carried uh, me away in the spirit, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. Is that a quinky dink? I don't know. I uh, did, whoever made this sculpture, I, I really don't know, did they read this and go, I'm just going to throw this in the face of Christians? Is that what they did? And they made it? Or did this just happen and God's, God's, just, God, God's just giving us this radical statement to, to think about? But nevertheless, I find it interesting. It's going to get more interesting in a few more minutes too. But notice she's sitting on a beast, like a person might sit on a horse. The positioning of the two implies at this point that she is the leader and that she is the one that's using the beast. Now think of this. She rides the beast for the same reason humans always ride beasts. For locomotion, for speed, for power. Remember again, this is talking about a religious system, right? This woman is that religious system. Uh, For locomotion, we ride an animal to go somewhere. The animal does the walking. Uh, for speed, um, it goes faster than we can on our own. The animal could be running, right? So we have locomotion. We're going to get there faster than we could. Uh, for speed, we're going to get there a lot faster. Uh, in fact, for locomotion, they do the work. For speed, they're going to get there much faster. For power, the animal can pull things and move things that we can't. So when you look at it, you have this religious system that's able to ride this beast, this world empire, that's coming, and you look at it and you go, okay, it's a give-take thing, right? And you start to realize, wait, this tells us the woman riding the beast, this thing, when it comes, it's going to come fast, it's, it's because suddenly they can come together, and it's going to have great power. We know from Daniel chapter 2, when you look at the statue of Daniel chapter 2, you see those, uh, those iron legs and, how, and the, the, the feet that are mixed with iron and clay, excuse me, but they're very crushing, Partly weak and partly strong, but they are absolutely devastating. So much so that Revelation chapter 13 says, who can stand against, who can make war against the beast? So this thing is fast, and it's coming fast, and it is going to be extremely powerful. But she rides the beast because she believes she can control it. Uh, She's riding the beast believing she can bend it to her own will, but she's going to be surprised. This beast is going to be able to turn on her. Remember, a prostitute gets used. The Lord calls this a harlot. This harlot is going to be used by the very beast that she is riding. As the the coming New World Order will eliminate the religious system when they are done using her. Why is that? 
because neither the false prophet nor the Antichrist will allow anybody to be worshipped other than the Antichrist himself. That's it. Going to do away with all forms of worship. But it will use the beast, the Antichrist and the New World Order will use the religious system that gets the masses swayed the way they want it until everybody has to bow down and worship the Antichrist. So now you can start to see how these fit together. Look at verse 4. And in verse 4, we see how she's arrayed. She's arrayed in royal clothes. Look at this. Uh, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Um, uh, next question. Number seven. What is with her and this full cup? Think of this. This isn't just any call girl, uh, but this is a call girl to the kings. Purple and scarlet were once expensive colors to produce. For that reason, they signified wealth and royalty. Even today, it takes real money to be adorned with gold and precious stones. To complete this effect, she holds a golden chalice. She's got this chalice. She has this cup. But what is this cup full of? This cup... It looks beautiful on the outside. You might recall the words of Jesus where he's talking about the religious leaders and their hypocritical ways. He says on the outside, man, the cup looks good, but the inside is filthy. When he talks about, he says, your whitewashed sepulchers. On the outside, you're looking great, but inside is dead man's bones. That's what's happening here. It's a beautiful cup, dressed, looking all royal and everything else. I'm going to tell you something. When I was in Rome back in October, uh, it's a pretty spectacular place to go. Uh, and uh, me not being Catholic... I was still quite amazed at the power that you could feel and the riches and the wealth that you felt going through the whole Vatican. And the Colosseum was incredible, even though it's old and, and, uh, and so forth. But the Vatican, just walking through all of it, but you can sense this power and the elitism and the royalty and all of the pomp. But we, so we see this here, and we realize it's this beautiful gold cup, and this religious system is, dre is arrayed in gold and and beautiful colors, but the cup is full, tells us here, of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. It's full of death and putrefaction. It stinks so bad that if you got near it, it would make you want to vomit. The contents of the cup portray the contents of her heart. Think through this. Let me illustrate this for you. Uh, religious leaders have a long, sad history of riding beasts recognizing, man, I can ride this thing and I can make it work in my favor. Think of this. Uh, they love to associate themselves with powerful secular figures. Scientology uh, makes no bones about it. In Los Angeles, they have a huge, incredible uh, building uh, that clearly uh, is labeled the Church of Scientology Celebrity Center. Keep that in mind. While they say these centers are open to the general public, they also say that the centers are meant for artists, politicians, leaders of industry, sports figures, <coughs> and anyone with the power and vision to create a better world. You, but you see the hook. You are famous, not just for hitting a baseball, but because of your power and your vision. The church, the center, uh, uh, the celebrity center, the Church of Scientology. So you see that. It's, a, it's the same thing. But the, but the beast of Revelation chapter 17 is something much larger than Scientology. But it's still, uh, it still, it appeals, it's the flattery and the, man, yeah, and the kings of the earth and the political world leaders and the elitists and they're working together and everybody's, they're being seduced by her but at the same time, they're able to keep their wits about them and realize we're going to use this prostitute. Wow. Verses 5 and 6. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And number 8. You ready? How many more questions do you have, Pastor Tom? Only 500 more questions. There's a football game tonight you guys don't care about. No, four. Four questions, including this one. Uh, number eight, what is the mystery? 
So Dr. John Walvoord, <coughs> in his Bible Knowledge Commentary series, wrote a, a uh, just a second, wrote a mystery in the New Testament is a new truth previously unknown before its revelation in the present dispensation. Does that make sense? In other words, it was a mystery in the past, but now it is revealed. <clears throat> Think Daniel's words, Daniel chapter 12. He's told to shut up and seal the words of the book. These are not for you to know, Daniel, but those who are living in the last days, the wise will understand. For them, it's to be revealed. So not a mystery in the last days. Okay. So the mystery which was past, is now revealed. We suddenly see that the harlot religion is not new, but it's actually old, and it's very old. It goes all the way back through the Tower of Babel on the plains of Shinar, just a few generations after Noah's flood. Uh, Dr. Richard Strauss, uh, the late pastor of Emmanuel Faith Community Church in Escondido, California, said, the nature and history of Babylon is not a mystery to us today but that what began in Babylon years ago would continue through the centuries to this final form is a truth that had not previously been revealed in scriptures. Make sense? So it used to be a mystery, now the light is going on. So here's a brief story of Babylon. It goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. God told Noah and his descendants the same thing he told Adam and Eve. This is what he told them. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So Noah's descendants were fruitful and they multiplied, but they did not fill the earth. They stayed together. Nimrod was their leader. When Nimrod led them to the plains of Shinar, he wanted them to stay together. As long as he could keep the people together, he was the ruler of the world. At that time, that's where all the people existed, wherever Nimrod was. He was the king of the world. He's a, he's a prototype of the Antichrist. So that was the Tower of Babel's purpose. It was designed to keep people in one place in direct disobedience to God. So instead of being obedient to God and being fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, what happened? Genesis 11 says that they said, with Nimrod as their leader, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. This is the whole new world order. Since this took place, man has constantly been trying to get back to this global system, a new world order, and put somebody at the top. Ever since this took place. You know what happened after this? Uh, everybody is scattered, right? But this is what this says. Uh, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Let's do this thing. Do not let God, let's not be obedient to God. I'm going to keep this new world order. Got it? Okay. So with this as an understanding, to Nimrod, Bab Babel, meant the gate of God, right? A tower to the heavens, right? Not the God, uh, his own God, uh, but Babel, El meaning God, gate of God. Uh, but God changed the name to Babel, the place of confusion. Interesting, isn't it? Um, so what, what God did, if you're not familiar with the story, he confused the languages so the people couldn't communicate anymore in one language so they ended up being scattered and filling the whole earth. In fact, you can look at the Table of Nations, even the secular history, and find out the different places that people went to because they went with people that could talk like them and probably look like them, and they were all scattered. That's what happened. Hence, Babel. They, they babbled on and on and on. The people scattered, right? But they took with them the abominable religion of Babel. Hence, the mystery Babylon. We see vestiges of it throughout ancient lands and even through today we see it happening. We'll get to that in just a second. Abraham was told to get out of there. Get out of the land of, uh, of uh, Ur. Uh, and I'm going to show you a new land. God's going to give him the promised land. That's where I want you to go. But even 
after that, after Abraham moved there, his descendants started going into the ways of this mystery religion. They brought those things. They incorporated them from the pagan people that surrounded them. Uh, Israel kept falling back. If you read the book of Judges, it's just a cycle of Israel coming in it and coming out of it, coming in it, coming out of it. Okay. So this has affected the world. It still affects the world. You can get at all different types of studies of, from Greek mythology to Catholicism, which I'll get to in just a second. But I want you to think of this, all right? This is just kind of interesting also. Remember the woman riding the beast in front of the EU Parliament building? Remember that, that sculpture? Okay, that's just kind of whatever. Now look at this. This has been around for a long time. Uh, Peter Bruegel, this is his painting from back in the 1500s, all right? That was his vision of the Tower of Babel, okay? Remember? Nimrod at the top wanting to have be the globalist at the top controlling the world until God scattered them with many voices. Um, we have this. This is the European Parliament in Strasbourg in, in uh, France. Now, some people put these two together on the Internet, and you've, you have this morph thing. Um, how did that happen? Uh, I, I've read a lot about it. Artists who, or, or the architects who designed this building said it had nothing to do with this drawing of the Tower of Babel. They say it came from the Colosseum and that idea. But it is kind of interesting, isn't it? At the same time, how did the woman riding on the beast turn out like that? How does this EU parliament building turn out like that? I just find it kind of fascinating myself. But I also think of this. This poster has been around for some time. Europe, see at the bottom right-hand corner? Europe, uh, many tongues, one voice. Right? What happened with the Tower of Babel? They wanted to have one voice. God scattered them because he gave them different tongues, but they're saying, we may have many tongues, but we're still going to come back, we're going to have one voice. All of this points to, to globalism, and I just, I just find it so fascinating. If it's a coincidence, God, I think God's behind the scenes just orchestrating, uh, behind the scenes just orchestrating all this stuff. We're almost done. Number nine, is Roman Catholicism the harlot church of Revelation chapter 17? Well, we don't have time to look at all of the details tonight, so we, we won't. Maybe I can save that for, uh, it'll probably take a couple of Sunday nights. But there are a remarkable number of things in the religion of Babylon that made their way into Catholicism. That's because the people of the Roman Empire were converted to Christianity by edict, and many of them kept their old practices, but gave them Christian names. And the old practices originated in Babel. But, I will say this, despite some... Uh, uh, striking similarities, I'm not one to jump on the bandwagon and say that Roman Catholicism is the harlot of Revelation chapter 17. However, this doesn't mean that the Pope or a future Pope is not the false prophet. That probably just lit up the blog site on the internet. <laughs> the false prophet could very well come from the Catholic Church. But even then, it will be different. Think about this. Uh, this current pope, to this uh, with this current pope, to many who are Catholic, uh, they think this current pope is bad. Do you know that? I find that interesting. They're saying, no, this, this current pope's out there. What's, what I find more interesting than that is many who are Protestant are looking at this pope as being one of the greatest guys that's ever lived. And I find it so weird that so many in the Protestant faith are given over to this Pope. This Pope is all-encompassing to please uh, the masses. Uh, he, he appears to speak on behalf of the UN. Certainly seems flattery and engaging, and people are like, you know, all these things we looked at, the wine of fornication and all that, it, it just kind of goes that way. When you look at it with the direction of this current Pope, uh, this, uh, I think this, I, I pointed this out in the very beginning what, what does this final false religion look like? Um, the culmination and apex of false religion on the earth. It will show its supposed superiority over other religions by pretending to embrace them all using words like inclusive, right? So this article was, I, I just found this, I think it was today, this is from Jerusalem Post. Pope Francis is heading to the UAE, United Arab uh, 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 Emirates, uh, for historic meetings. 
It's, a, it's about an interfaith meeting. Can't we all just get along? Listen, we all basically uh, worship and serve uh, the same God. Listen, I've, I don't have time to go into it tonight, uh, but in my first book, I dealt with it in detail. I have it documented in there, the, the exact quotes, and you can see it. Uh, but this Pope has even said that a person does not need forgiveness through Christ and that atheists can be saved by doing good works. He preaches the gospel of salvation by social justice, and many, many leaders and people of all nations are embracing what he is saying. I find it very interesting. Number 10, we're almost done. What will this religious system look like? Uh, think of this. Immediately after the rapture, all Christian churches and denominations will be suddenly emptied of all actual Christians. Uh, this includes anyone that is a genuine believer in Christ that is within the Catholic Church. Uh, some people out there are probably thinking right now, how could anybody as Catholic be saved? Listen, your, your belief, your, your salvation is based upon who Jesus is. Your belief of Jesus and your repentance. And there's people that are caught up in all different kinds of religions that have a genuine belief in Jesus and they're still caught up in that system for whatever, whatever reason is. Uh, but as the world's wealthiest and most powerful religion, the remaining Catholic Church will have the money and infrastructure to go a long way toward building this new old religion, this mystery Babylon. But others will help, including unraptured Baptists, <gasps> unraptured Presbyterians, unraptured Lutherans, unraptured Pentecostals, and even members of Calvary chapels who are left behind. Uh, the um, Harlot Church is not today's Roman Catholicism, uh, but tomorrow's global religion, which will definitely include Catholics and Protestants who miss the rapture. According to a 2018 Pew Research poll, most American adults self-identify as Christians, but many Christians also hold what are sometimes characterized as New Age beliefs. Think of this. Including belief in reincarnation, astrology, uh, psychics, and the presence of spiritual energy in physical objects like mountains or trees. In fact, in this poll, six in ten American adults accept at least one of these things. And you look at that and you go, man, if nine in ten Americans say they're Christians, that shows you how messed up we really are, doesn't it? But as you can see in verse 6, not long after the rapture, uh, people are going to start getting saved. So much so that verse 6 tells us that this harlot religion is going to be drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. I think that speaks throughout history, the mystery Babylon, but right on up to today and right up, up into the tribulation period. Final question, here it is. Is this far off into the future? I do not think so. It's like the more I see what's happening, I don't think so. Uh, think of this, all right? In the last, uh, I think it was about a week or two, maybe two weeks ago, there's a group of Catholic schoolboys who got caught up in a weird situation in Washington. A viral video gave a false impression to people who were only looking at the boys' MAGA hats, Make America Great Again. Remember that? The red hat and the kids sitting there, got the smirk, and people were just lit up because he wore the red hat and he had a smirk on his face. But Jack Morsey, I want you to think through this, producer of Disney's Beauty and the Beast, tweeted, MAGA kids go screaming hats first into the wood chipper. Talking about taking them and putting in a wood chipper, chopping them up. He then showed a picture from the movie Fargo of a man putting a person through a wood chipper. Morsey later apologized, saying he only meant it as satire. Um, that's some of the most evil satire I've ever heard of, if that's satire. Now, lots of people suggested violence against these boys. You're still hearing it. Uh, the boys, their families, and their school have received death threats, and the story was false. They weren't bullying the Native American. The Native American was bullying the boys. Uh, but how, how many people have not even retracted that story, and they're still just going after them? Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Um, it, it, when we, as we watch everything that's going on right now, I mean, you wear a red MAGA hat, whatever your position is. I'm just talking about the spiritual part. There's so much hatred towards anybody like that. Let's just kill them at all costs. Let's just get rid of these people. Uh, the, the labeling and everything goes on. Can you imagine uh, from Revelation chapter 11 when those two witnesses are caught up? Remember that? 
everybody thinks they're dead and they're rejoicing, they're celebrating. The hatred to kill them, we can see it building now, can't we? Get rid of them, kill them, put them through the wood chipper. But all of a sudden they're going to be caught up and the world's going to know they're in trouble. But man, we can see that same, the, the, the whole temperament building right now. Uh, but here's the takeaway. The harlot religion will be drunk on the contents of Christian boys and girls who have been shoved through wood chippers. The horrible truth is that it will be drunk from consuming so much innocent blood. Man, bad stuff going on. Here's the thing with Revelation chapter 17. The rest of it is not gory. The rest of it, it's going to put into place the new world order, the global government, how the Antichrist receives his power, and all this crazy stuff. Chapter 17 is one of the most involved chapters in the entire Bible. But what's coming is really eye-opening, especially considering where we are right now when you see everything that is going on. But with that, all of this proves that the Bible is true. We're watching things develop exactly as the Bible says. Folks, you can trust it. When people say... the, the talking about the second coming of Christ is unhealthy and it's coming from church leaders, don't you believe it? This is just, it's just appalling but these, that these things are happening. Listen, Jesus came the first time, he's coming again, and he himself said, when you see these things, what did he say? When you see these things begin to take place. Look up for your redemption draws near. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. You are good. And uh, there's a lot here tonight, but we pray for your blessings. We pray for your glory. Help my brothers and sisters at this church to press forward in truth and in righteousness for your kingdom purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.